0: What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay, and with me on the mic is your co-host, Chris Pennett. Chris, man, how pumped up are you for our next guest right now?
1: It's going to be amazing. I mean, we're doing this in the middle of the day, and you never get to do fun things in the middle of the day. I saw a tweet talking about how that 2 to 4.30 part of the afternoon was the most god-awful time of day. I don't, I don't know, but now it's
0: not. Today it's not. You are correct, because right now, we have a GOAT on Zoom right now from Winsider and Just Women Sports, Rachel Galligan. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a hell of an intro. I appreciate that. And Chris, I have to agree, it's that that time in the afternoon where you like want to take a nap. Yes. And nothing, nothing is going well, and you're just tired. Yeah, this, this is great. I'm really excited we're doing this when we're doing it.
0: No, absolutely. This is, uh, we've been meaning to have you on the show for a while now. And actually, before we get into our first segment for today, we just have to ask because I know that you, Allie Quigley and Sam Quigley all have a history together when you because you kind of grew up playing against each other a little bit. Uh, Is that right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's fun. I told myself I wasn't going to talk about it this year because I bring it up every year and I think they're tired of it, but um, <laughs> now, now, now you asked me, so I have to talk about it. Um, not, not, not a ton of history. I mean, I, I'm from Illinois, grew up central Illinois, so um, kind of downstate, as everyone else in Illinois would consider that, just southern southern country folk. Um, kind of like
1: north of Peoria or south of Peoria?
2: Like parallel with Peoria, Bloomington, Illinois.
1: Oh, so, Blono. no, okay. Always got the restaurants before Peoria, did.
2: You know, it, yeah, I mean, like, I feel like at one point it had, like, the most chain restaurants per capita in the, in the United States.
1: <laughs> it was
2: really impressive. So I might have just made that up, too. But, um, you know, we, uh, I, I played at a small Catholic school, Bloomington Central Catholic, and, and they played at Joliet Catholic. Um, I think it was my junior year, um, Allie's senior year, Sam's junior year um we they came down to Bloomington and played us kind of in, in a non-conference Catholic school matchup and uh I'm just gonna say I, I balled out I'm just gonna say, I don't remember how many I had but we, we played really well and we were always ranked really high in state but we were we were the small class system and um yeah we beat them it was awesome um and that I mean that was a loaded team Joliet Catholic back in the days I mean they were just a powerhouse um and I love, to, I love to bring it up every now and then. And um, I keep in touch with Sam. She's, she's obviously had a phenomenal coaching career and Allie's you know, career and they, both of their career through DePaul. And then, I mean, Allie's career in general, I'm a huge fan of and just advocate for. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's like the one little feather in my cap that I have to fame is, is being able to beat Allie Quigley at, at something. So yeah, fun little <laughs> story. We happened to beat him. I think I had like 28 points or something, like probably a highlight of my life.
0: Oh my God. That's amazing. Wait, so did, how did Allie do? Have you talked about, like, does she remember how she did? <laughs> I, do that yeah. thing?
2: You know, I, I don't, I don't remember. I, I don't remember like either of them going off. Um, and, if, and if they listen to this, one of them, I'm sure maybe, maybe Sam will mention something, but um, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but we, we ran a really interesting system in high school. We, we, we pressed in the full court and just literally shot layups. So I'm sure it was our guard play that got up and really caused a lot of turnovers. And we we just played a really different style of basketball that I think the state of Illinois at times wasn't used to. And then when we were able to get it in the half court, I was able to go down on the block and go to work. But um, I just think they probably, honestly, they probably had an off day and we just played really well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's so great. Yeah. Well, We had to ask about it, but the main focus for today, we just want to get your thoughts on how the Sky stacks up against the top four teams in the league. I mean, right now the Sky are looking up at the Storm, Aces, Sun, and Links with just—I can't believe I'm saying this but just 12 games before the start of the playoffs. Crazy. Um, I know <laughs> time flies, but but let's just go down the line, just starting with the Minnesota Links who. In my opinion, I do think that they are the hottest team in the league right now. Just looking at, you know, they're eight and two in their last 10 games. They have the best offensive and defensive ratings in the league over the last five games. So, Rachel, just when you look at these two teams, do you think one of them has the edge over the other one right now? And what matchups just stick out to you when you look at Minnesota and Chicago?
2: I mean that's a tough one. I mean the first the first thing that comes to mind is obviously Sylvia Fowles and the way she's been able to play this year. Obviously a, a goat in the game herself and is playing like in her prime. You know Fowles is just playing completely dominant and she's got some pieces around her now that are really starting to come on. Um, so from a from a scoring standpoint, you know I, when when Chicago's clicking on all cylinders, they can score with anyone in this league. Um, I think for me. I would kind of look in in some ways, you know, maybe I'm crazy, but I would think that there would be an advantage, a slight advantage advantage inside with the Lynx, just being able to throw the ball inside to fouls and and kind of eliminate some of that pressure off fouls with Collier. She's she's playing phenomenal this year, but, but that doesn't mean that there's, that I think there's an advantage in um, Minnesota beating Chicago. Um, I mean, I'm just going to say right now, I really feel like Chicago has, an argument to be the best team in the WNBA. I mean, it's very possible for them to go on and win this entire thing. I really do believe that. Um, it just comes down to, you know, when you look at the course of their season, some of their different losses, obviously we have the, the losing streak and then we have the win streak and it's kind of been back and forth um, since I keep saying the, the, the half break, but it's really not since the Olympic break. Um, you know, w- when you really dissect those numbers, it comes down to a lot of different factors, like a couple of games, it's, you know, they go against Connecticut. Well, I'm sure we'll get to them in a minute. Um, they, they can't score it. Um, with Minnesota, you know, I don't think they'll have problems um, scoring it. It's, it's how do you maintain the ability to throw the ball inside to fouls and, and playing off of her with Collier. Um, I don't know how well Chicago stacks up with fouls inside. Um, but I like the matchup. I think it's a great matchup. I think Minnesota, I agree with you, is playing the best basketball in the league right now. Um, but there's no reason Chicago can't can't match up with them. Um, you know whether it comes down to Dulson or Parker being able to kind of keep fouls out of the paint, keep her uncomfortable, not not able to get the ball where she wants to, and run the offense through her, um, which is what Minnesota wants to do. Um, I think that that that's a big aspect. I think the big, the biggest stat for that game. I know I'm really long-winded. Sorry. No, no go for it. Comes down to uh, the rebounding, the rebounding numbers. Uh, that's a game that you know, I, both teams are going to score it the ways they want to score it, but which one can control the glass and eliminate second chance opportunities.
1: Fully agree. Uh, Fully agree there at the end, Rachel, because Minnesota has always been such a strong rebounding team with uh, Sylvia Fowles, as you said, one of the, one of the best rebounders of all time. Mm -hmm. And then Nafisa Collier is also great on the defensive glass. And uh, my, my favorite unsung hero of the league, Demiris Dantas is also, Yep. A big who shoots three, but can get on the boards as well. So I, I've always, I said that Minnesota's been the measuring stick for the Sky uh, because they're, they're local, can, they're regional rival, and they've always had trouble beating them. Um, there was the draft where uh, the Sky left Collier on the board and went Ooh. with Katie Lou Samuelson. So that's always going to be kind of looked at as, as the years go on. Yep. And they, like I said, they've always had trouble playing Minnesota, even if they were able to get a lead. And then they blew them out earlier this year. And so that was the first thing that really turned my head on that, that the sky could, could be the team this year.
2: Well, the thing is too, I mean, you know, this is a completely different Lynx team than, than what was, than what they were at the early part of the season, in my opinion, right? Like before sure. it was, they had two scorers, um, and so now they're really starting to click on all cylinders. They're getting scores. Uh, has really stepped it up, in my opinion. That's a huge X factor. Uh, McBride's really starting to hit a lot of shots, playing with more confidence. So once you started getting, you know, those those third and fourth scoring options um, around Collier and Fowles, then then they're a dangerous team. If they're limited to just two scores, it's going to look like it did the first half of the season.
0: Most definitely, yeah. No, and I agree with both of you. Because the Lynx, I mean, again, they're 8-2 and in their last 10 games. They have been one of the best offenses in the league during that span. The thing that sticks out to me, though, is I still think their depth is a little bit limited. And when you just look, again, in the the last 10 games, they're still only getting like 16 points a game from their bench. Mm -hmm. And that's just, I don't know. If I'm a fan of a team that looks like that team could contend that in a given year, the thing that would make me worry just heading into the playoffs, for example, is just the margin of error is so thin when you have to rely on the production of your starters kind of in the way that the Lynx do. And maybe, look, I think there's something that we have to think about, too, is that Aerial Powers is going to be coming back, hopefully. And...
2: Not in the arm, for sure.
0: And, yeah, right. And it's... But I don't know. I still feel like that's, there's still some level of concern when you factor in that any of these coaches that James Wade is specifically really good at this, just being able to construct a game plan, knowing that this team is going to just be relying on like six or seven players. Um, it's just something I think to look out for as we approach the end, um, as we approach the playoffs a little bit here, but Chris, just moving along here, do you want to talk about Connecticut?
1: Yeah, definitely. Since we brought up Connecticut, um, they're sitting in third place right now. And I think not I, outside of the top two teams, they've been the most consistent. They had that uh, three-game stretch where they lost two, two of those three to the Sky, and one of those they lost pretty big. But you're without John, you're without your best player in John Cole Jones. You, it's kind of expected that you're going to have a lot more trouble, even with a team like the Sky who was riding the ship. But I, I wanted to ask about where you think that Connecticut, who I think between them and Chicago, they played each other about even over the last couple of seasons. Uh, especially uh, the preceding year when they got uh, DeWana Bonner. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, I love DeWana Bonner's game, but her, her points per game are a little bit down. And just focusing on that before we even get to individual matchups, is that a function of time or is that um, the, sc- the scoring spreading out a bit more to John Quill Jones and players who are up and coming like Natisha Heidemann?
2: Well, I mean, I, I, I think just the Sun scoring in general. Um, is a, is a concern, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the reason that they're able to win games and the reason that they're at the, at the top of the stand, standings is because they're the best defensive team in the league, in my opinion. And I mean, let's look at what they did to Chicago. Was it they broke their their win streak? I mean, they held Chicago to like I think it was fifty eight points, um, and, and which wasn't a surprise. I mean, you know, Chicago was rolling, averaging like a upper nineties at that point on a seven game win streak, and then they go face Connecticut Sun, which you know, is going to throw the kitchen sink at you defensively and take you out of everything you want to do. Um, the issue with Connecticut, like like we're talking about here with Bonner, is just the scoring. And I don't know if it's I, obviously. I think the ball is being run through Quell Jones. I mean, that that's that's a focus. The, the 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 shot selection that Jones is being able to take, but I also think that you have a few other players like Natisha Heidemann has really stepped up. I think she's getting more shots than what she did before. But um, I don't think it's a massive concern with Bonner. You know, she's not your only scoring option on this team. She shouldn't have to bear that weight. I think we've seen that um, before at times, and, and it, it didn't pan out well. So I think you're looking a little more balanced attack offensively. But, you know, the problem is still as a unit, as a whole, this team's scoring ability is, is in the lower part. I mean, they're, they're averaging less than 80 points per game which is like ninth in the league. Um, Just, you know, just above 10th. So we know that they can defend anybody. They can make anybody uncomfortable. Um, It's their ability to score um, and then stay healthy because we talked about depth. Depth is going to come in huge. uh, The second, second half, again, I hate that I keep saying that (laughs) the second portion of the season Um, and into playoffs, you know, they're, they're playing with very limited numbers with, with Alyssa Thomas being out. So, you know, that's, that's when it comes to the Chicago sky and Connecticut matchup, you almost have, you know, it sounds, this might be a bit of a stretch, but you know, almost contrasting styles of play, at least the way Chicago wants to play, right. Getting out and running leak outs, pushing, pushing tempo. Not that, not that Connecticut doesn't want to do that. They just don't have the depth to be able to do that and to score it at that pace. So they want to muck it up and really make, take you out of your game, which they had success with the last time they played Chicago. So you know, when it comes to these two teams matching up, it's, it's, it's in like the ultimate chess match of different styles um, based on your current assets that you have on the team, the way, the way you have to play. Um, I think, you know, the sky have the, the upper hand from a scoring standpoint. It depends on, um, you know, how do you create, and, and a lot of this falls on weight. You know, how are you in the film room game planning against Connecticut? to get the ball in Allie Quigley's hands, right? To get the ball to Diamond to Shields where she wants it, to get the ball to Kenneth Parker where she can be successful because Connecticut's going to take you out of what you naturally want to do. So it really challenges you from a coaching perspective of being able to create shots and get manufactured shots for your team against a team like Connecticut. It's extremely
0: difficult. We kind of saw that in the last game against Connecticut and Sky where – Allie Quigley torched them a little bit in the first game, I believe it was. And then in that second, uh, the second time around, or actually no, it was the third game where they played the sun where anytime Allie Quigley was coming off the screen, you'd have two people, like a one person behind her, one in front of her, just denying her the ball so that she can't get to her spot, which again, she is, I think she's second in the league right now in points off of screens. Um, So, I mean, like, again, I I think you're right. It is going to come down to the matchups. And in terms of Dawana Bonner, I think it's been a really, I think one of the reasons I'm a little bit down on the sun, just a little bit is that I think the reason that her points per game is down this year is because she's had to take over some of the playmaking responsibilities that Alyssa Thomas had to leave behind when she went out for um, because she's out for the season. And when you just look at how this offense is constructed, it's just a little disjointed because of that. And when you have what well, I think Dewana Bonner and John Quill Jones are both second and third in assists per game for this team, where Jasmine Thomas, again, she, I mean, she's averaging 3.7 assists per game. This team is just doesn't have a ton of playmakers that it can rely on. And I just wonder how much that's going to factor in, just given that I look at Kalia Copper and Diamond to Shields and how much havoc they can uh you know provide the, or go up when you go up against it, those two players they're just going to bring a lot of energy on the defensive end so chris do you want to move over to the aces or do you have anything else that you want to add about the sun
1: no i love talking about the aces because they finally started proving me wrong <laughs> um it mostly just everybody what was it three years ago uh Chase serrano wrote that really good article on d Kahambi and he punctuated with like this is why the Aces will win the championship because they have D'Erica Hamby and your team does not. And I was like, you are crowning this squad before they have proven it. And they have always been a very good team since they've gotten uh, Liz Cambage there. And especially since Kelsey Plum found her college form. But like we said over these last five games where they're three and two, you know, I think some of that is just a function of, of the season moving on. They've dropped to sixth and, Uh, three-point percentage, and their defensive rating has slipped a bit, but you look at the entire season, they're first or second in every category except assists per game. Mm -hmm. That's so tough to beat. And so it it almost feels like folly asking the question of where do you, you know, how do you stop the Aces? Because the only team that's really proven to do it outside of a couple of games consistently is the team that you would expect, and that's Seattle. But if there's any holes in that lineup, or in the game plan, uh, Rachel, where, where do you see them? And what, where can the sky exploit those matchups?
2: I, I really feel like the only, what's the right way? What's the right way to phrase this? The Aces are, I'm so impressed with them. Um, I'm so blown away with this roster. Um, when they are clicking on all cylinders, they are the best team in the league, hands down. Um, when the Aces get beat, it's because they beat themselves, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh-huh. Um, I, I just think that they're that they're they're really crossing that threshold of dominance, you know, where where especially, you know, when you have Kelsey Plum playing the way she is, and you know, the confidence that I mean, obviously, Asia Wilson is such a steady force. I mean, at, at any year, she, she could be MVP when she when she's playing along Liz Cambage that alters her numbers quite a bit. I actually was pretty critical, not critical, but I, I questioned how that would look. The trade but I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't hate it. I think it, it actually is, is working well, you know, and it, it's you can tell that there's growth there and, and they're gelling in a way that is, is so dominant, um, which I think is, is phenomenal as a former post player. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love seeing it. I just, you know, you've, you've added so many nice pieces right around that, that interior of, of Chelsea Gray, who, uh, you know, obviously is a phenomenal point guard, um, you already have the sixth woman of the year, like the all-time sixth woman of the year, D'Erika Hamby, um, Kelsey Plum. We've talked about how confident she's been playing. You know, so, and then, well, Jackie Young, that's the X factor for this Aces team. I she think picked She's picked it up. Yeah, she she has. I mean, she's, she's like this quiet, silent... Um, steady force for the aces. And she's, she's expanded her game. She's expanded her ability to stretch the floor. Is it a major strength? No, but it's to a point where she has to be respected and that, that only opens up the floor for everybody else when she's able to get into the paint, her her ability to create, you know, for anybody is, is huge. You know, she's able to get in there, get in seams, create for others, create for herself right right around that 15 foot range. She's so deadly, you know? So I, I think that for this aces team, Um, when they are not clicking on all cylinders, right? If there's, you know, any sort of tension amongst that team or any sort of friction amongst that team, I'm not alluding to anything. I'm just saying that's when this team is not focused, when they're more concerned with bad calls and and getting themselves out of the game, that's when I think they're at their worst. So that's why I say, are they going to beat themselves or do you fight through the adversity that's bound to come through the course of the season through a course of a tough matchup through a course of a series and stay focused enough to win late in playoffs that's going to be the question
1: and it's so difficult to um, game plan that out because mm-hmm. when you have this long of a break i think that factors in so much uh not just for things that could possibly happen but players have to refocus Especially now, we have no idea what's going to happen with the Olympics, given the rising number of COVID cases inside uh, that group of players and outside in the larger world sense of the world itself. So it's almost like we're moving back into that bubble stage of last year of, of players having to have divided minds. And so not just for the Aces, but for everybody else. It's going to be tough for them, I think, to refocus as you get back to the stretch run.
2: Yeah, it might be. You know, I I think that brings up a good point. How do teams respond coming out of this break? You know, and, and the, the world is 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 changing every single day. We've got the Olympics going on. There's a bunch of drama surrounding that. Um, obviously, you had Liz Cambage who had to back out of the Olympics. You know, how how is she doing? You know, in in terms of, you know, for 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 mental health reasons. You know, I think that there's a lot of question marks as to not just with the aces um but with with every team after this right um and kind of kind of how does that break bode for you it's almost like two seasons you know minnesota goes into it they're they're riding a high did they peak at that period of time Mm -hmm. did they come back a different team um that's going to be really interesting not to go too far off track but you know it's 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 to be able to maintain that momentum Mm -hmm. and have an entire month break that's it's impossible so um that's that's going to be that's going to be extremely interesting how a lot of everything we just talked about impacts um those final few weeks headed into the playoffs
0: totally and i think that it's hard that i don't know how much we really learn in the last couple games of like before the olympic break just because if you just look at each team's pace in those last three games compared to their overall oh man I mean, it's so down. It's like uh, comically down, you know? So I th- it's going to be interesting just seeing how much energy some of these teams, like the Aces, like when you see they lost to the Mercury right before the break, where they did, again, I think they did show they didn't have that energy that you were talking about. And I wonder, is that just because of the Olympic break? Or again, like you were just talking about it, it was just something that they were getting in their own heads and not being able to focus. One more quick point on the aces before you move on i'm curious to hear both of your thoughts on this because i i tried to ask james Wade about it right before the olympic break and he as always found a way to navigate around it um but i wonder if we're going to see more Azrae stevens or if she's going to be unleashed in the second portion of the season because i just wonder in terms and maybe this will be our lead into the next segment here with the storm just i look at what she can bring her defensive versatility, her going up against Stewie, but then they also have to think about they're going to be going up against the Aces who have both Derek Ahambe, Asia Wilson, and then also Liz Cambage where you think maybe Azrae Stevens, where's her ability to switch and work with Candace Parker. I wonder how valuable that's going to be. And since James Wade has called her a unicorn in the past, I'm just curious, like, do you guys see that Ezra Stevens might work her way more into like into the lineup more now that, She, there's 12 games before the playoffs. They kind of have to start thinking game planning about just thinking ahead there a little bit. Do you see Ezra Stevens getting more minutes with these 12 games left in the season?
2: I mean, I, I would, I would say yes. You know, she, I'm a little bit, her, her numbers are a little bit down averaging just over 17 minutes per game, Uh, but numbers, I mean, you know, she produces, like you said, she's able to really impact the game, both ends of the floor. You know, but I think you have some interesting some interesting development there. I mean, Ruthie, Ruthie Hebert got a lot of minutes earlier in this season, and that's going to, you know, co- Coach James Wade alluded to how that, you know, that really could be beneficial down the stretch in terms of a depth perspective. Um, um, obviously, Stephanie Dolson, you know, she, she's not a unicorn in, <laughs> in her way, but, you know, she's been that, that steady force, and, and she played, she's played really consistent. She brings pretty much the same thing night in and night out. Um, and then you have this, a uh, do fall, you know, and that, that addition. So it, it, you know, there's kind of a, not a, not a log jam. And then alongside Candace Parker, there's not a log jam there, but I think trying to figure out, you know, when you, when you're on a seven game win streak, you don't really want to rock the boat too much. Right. Um, and as you, as you're still kind of figuring out what works with this team and, and who, what, what are the right rotations? I, I can't, unless there's something we don't know or something behind the scenes that we're not aware of, I don't see why she wouldn't be getting more minutes than 17 per game. I would anticipate we'd see that a little bit higher up in the 20s, just because from a production standpoint and a versatility standpoint, she, 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 she can be a matchup nightmare um, in terms of, you know, being able to offset some of these other teams that, that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be all hands on deck uh, when play does resume in the regular season. Uh, Ruthie Hebert Hebert has been such a a great development for the team in terms of what they can do uh, depth-wise. She's adroit at running the rim, uh, getting to the basket on on cuts and runouts, uh, basically just being a consistent uh, big scorer, whether in the fast break or in the half court. And if not, then getting to the free throw line when those plays are, are snuffed out. And so then you bring, if you can bring Z back to 70% of the form she was in Bradenton, where she was a consistent outside shooter and a tough matchup on both ends of the floor. Like we talked about with uh, Minnesota, right? Their, la- their problem is, is the lack of depth. That's one of the Sky's key strengths.
2: Sure, exactly. I agree with that. I agree. And, and, I, and they're primed. You know, they're, they're in a great position and, and James Wade mentioned that earlier in the season, like th- through that losing streak, whatever, it's like, okay, one game at a time, if we can stay healthy, because we know how, how much depth plays a factor late into this season, you know, it, they're, they're right up there in terms of one of the deepest teams in the league, assuming everyone is healthy. Um, so, I mean, they've, they've positioned themselves coming out of this break to, to, you know, if you did, if you were banged up a little bit by any stretch, you know, to, to recover and to get healthy and, like you said, all hands on deck and being able to make a really strong push here. They're, they're, I mean, they're five and a half games back from first place as long as you can get yourself in a, in a, in a position to come playoff time, make a run. I mean, that, that, that expectation is there, at least I think for all of us on this podcast Mm -hmm. um, as to what, what this team can do, because this is the best sky team. I think we've seen like, in my opinion, since, since the days of Elena Deladon and, Cappy Pondexter and Sylvia Fowles like like this this team has has all the tools to be able to do it it's just going to be you know all the things we've been
0: talking about well they have a chance to make up some room I mean they have a chance to make up some of those games from earlier on when you just look at they have to face the aces three times they have to face the storm three times and
2: yeah they haven't even played the aces yet
0: it's crazy. Right. They haven't faced the two best teams in the yeah. league yet. So they have a chance to make up some ground here in a way that um, if they're able to capitalize on it, like if they go four and two, I think that will be a tremendous success for them and give them some confidence heading into the playoffs. But let's talk about one of those other teams too, the Seattle Storm, who I mean, they're number one in the standings. Um, they have been one of the most steadier offensive teams in the, the league so far this year and they've dropped off a little bit in the last few games but they're still four and one um they're fourth in net rating they um and they're fifth in points per game and second in true shooting percentage so it's going to be i think this is a really intriguing matchup that i am actually i'm more worried about the aces matchup for the sky than i am about the storm necessarily but achill i mean you are the expert here (laughs) so i'm curious to hear (laughs) (laughs) well I'm just curious like how do you see the sky matching up against the storm and what are you looking for when those two teams play each other again three times in the next 12 games
2: I mean god it's just just side note you know I I didn't really make note of this but Chicago coming back they face the storm the wings which we're not going to talk about but they're their own nightmare of a team just you could do then they go play the Lynx, and then okay the dream I mean it's just Chicago's got a hell of a, of a second half, if you will. And this is going to be really interesting, um, you know, with, with the, the aces and the storm. And, and I agree. I, I am more concerned with the aces matchup than I would be um, with Seattle. I think Seattle is extremely, I mean, the, obviously they've got three Olympians on it. <laughs> Brenna, Stewart's the best player. Brenna Stewart's the best player in the world, you know, front runner for MVP, in my opinion, um, Jewel Lloyd is not talked about enough and how she is, is, is her own MVP in some ways and, and how well she's playing, you know, but, but this is not the indestructible storm team that we've been talking about the last couple of years, in my opinion, you know, they, they obviously lost major key pieces and, and Howard and Clark um, and Whitcomb, you know, so, and, and, and that's not a, that's not a knock on, you know, the other, other pieces around, you know, Katie Lou, Mercedes, Mercedes Russell, I just don't know if they have that, that depth again yeah. we keep talking about depth you know if 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 you're not healthy if, if Jewel Lloyd is is shut down if Sue Bird isn't able you know I, I don't know if this team has everything that it takes to go win it all I mean I think it's entirely possible that they don't I wouldn't be surprised if they did um, so I mean I feel like Chicago matches up well with Seattle I think Seattle has shown you know, struggles to defend at times. I think they've shown struggles to score the ball at times and rebound the basketball. So, um, they're not immortal. Um, and I think Chicago will be a really tough matchup for the storm. I, am more concerned of, you know, <laughs> I'm more concerned of the, the, the matchup with the aces, um, and what that team has the potential of doing. But when it comes to Chicago and Seattle, I mean, this sky have got to be able to score it at the same clip Seattle can, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that that balanced scoring effort that Chicago has is, I think, the advantage. Um, there's no Branis Stewart who's dropping 21 a game, right? Like, you've got, you know, a whole host of players. I think it's, you know, like five or six of them averaging double double figures. So you have a balanced scoring attack, which is huge, and that's, that's really big for Chicago. Now, if they're having Diamond to Shields going one for seven, and then on top of that, you know, Stephanie Dolson's going one for six and and you're having some off shooting nights that that's when they can really get exploited from an offensive standpoint. And you've got to lean on yourself defensively. And at times I think they, they've struggled to get the stops they needed to get. They don't, they they're not a defensive powerhouse. So when it comes to Seattle, one, you've got to be able to have a balanced scoring effort, but how are you limiting Right? Like, you're not going to like shut down Stewie. You're not going to shut down Jewel Lloyd, but are you, you know, they can't go off and get 35, you know, are you, are you able to hold them to their averages or below, you know, and not let anybody else beat you outside of them? And I think that's the question from a defensive standpoint, can you get enough stops? And, and they definitely can. There, there's no reason. I think from a matchup standpoint, I love this matchup. I think, you know, you've got the pieces to be able to match up with Stewie. You've got the pieces to be able to defend Lloyd, the athleticism, Subert as well, um, the host of everybody else on this storm team that, that you know, coming in and off the bench, um, I don't see any... Um, I don't see any mismatches that, that Chicago can't handle outside of, you know, obviously the fact that Brandon Stewart and Joel Lloyd are two of the top players in the world.
1: That's a very good point. I I was going to ask you because I'm always, when everybody kind of puts Seattle in their middle middle of the table or, or say third of the top three, I was so confused and I was going to ask, it's like, well, they've got the best record in the league right now and how, so how have they succeeded while still losing all these pieces? But I I had forgotten of that game near the end of June. That was the Sunday afternoon matinee where they were at Las Vegas and they were blowing Las Vegas out in the first quarter, maybe the first two quarters. And the Aces came back and won that game. And I guess that was really what demonstrated that, mm-hmm. like you said, that Seattle's not indestructible anymore. Yeah. However, it's still, I, I still think of them as a, even without Alicia Clark, I still see, think of them as a formidable defensive club Sure. And um yeah, that's why I, I wanted to ask. Is like with, with um, taking into account what you say about Diamond the Shields and how she's not scoring at the pace that uh, Sky fans have become used to, is that something that needs to happen for them to have an advantage over Seattle or are there other ways that they can beat the storm with the pieces that they have?
2: You know, I, I, I was actually looking at this before we jumped on and, and recorded. I, I'm not like a huge dive into like the numbers person. I mean, I am sometimes... Um, other times I'm not, I guess it really depends. I look at the stat sheet like a, like a, like a piece of paper, right? Like, like a coach right. gets them in a game. So, um, you know, when I, when I'm looking at Chicago, when they don't have success, they don't like, like Copper's has actually been one of the most consistent, consistent scoring threats on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not talked about enough. Um, we, Allie Quigley, obviously when she came back and was healthy, she's, she's going to do what she does. Candace Parker, there's been some off shooting moments, but you cannot have a sky team that just has, what am I trying to say? You can't have more than one person going one for seven, one for eight, you know, diamond to shields is, and, and she's a huge X factor in it. You know, she, she, she can't have very many nights where she's, she's shooting one for seven, one for eight. A lot of those empty possessions, you know, are directly attributed to some of the losses that they've had. Now I'm not saying, you know, that's diamond's fault. That's, that's not, that's not the point. It's, you know, empty possessions and missed shots. When you're talking about going up against these, these top teams in the league, that's going to come down to, to to down the stretch. And you could say, say the same thing about, you know, there's been off shootings, off shooting nights with, with the whole team in general, you know, and that you're just, you're you're making it impossible for yourself. So um, I think Diamond is a huge factor. You know, I would love, um, I think we all know what she's capable of doing. We've seen you know, just how different she can be as a player and how exciting she can be to watch. And um, she has moments where you're like, oh my God, like she <laughs> she, she, can be the best player in, in, in the WNBA, you know, and so um, this, a lot of their success and a lot of the success they had the second half, in my opinion, um, kind of lies on the play of the Shields um, and, and how impactful she's going to be on the offensive end of the floor.
0: I definitely think that's a big thing that we should be looking out for here. Like you're right. I mean, Diamond has found some spots over the last, I don't know, eight, nine games where she is putting up a healthy number of points for that team that where she just kind of has to be a complimentary player for Courtney VanderSloot and Candace Parker. Um, But you're right. I mean, I think this team also kind of shoots itself in the foot when they don't get tried. They're not aggressive trying to get to the line. I mean, we saw at the beginning of the season, they were getting the line like over 20 times a game and over these last five games, they're only getting to the line 11.8 times per game, which is 11th in the league. So when you consider that, again, I look at that Mystics game where they got to the line 13 times. Okay, they converted 11 of those opportunities. But if you go 6 for 27 from beyond the arc, I mean, you're going to lose that matchup every time. And even going up against a limited Mystics team, like you could see that that was going to, again, when the whole team can't shoot from from that uh part no, of the court, you know, like it's,
2: that's a, that's a huge, not to interrupt you. That's a huge yeah. point you bring up when I wrote my piece for just women's sports um, about the sky kind of during that, that streak, uh, that when they were winning, the free throw numbers are huge. I mean, when, and anyone who's ever won a championship or had success in the later part of the season looks directly at those free throw numbers. And this is a huge strength with Chicago. I mean, they're, 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 I think like the best free throw shooting team in, in the league Yeah. Uh, and an interesting number and that's interesting. You brought that up as to, you know, they're getting there less and less. I would be curious as to what that is. Interesting. You know, DeShields has only shot 11 free throws this entire season, which is, which is an interesting number. I, I would have expected it to be a little bit more than that. Um, and, but just outside of DeShields, but this whole team as a, as a whole, being able to get there, get yourself to the free throw line. When that is such a strength, being able to play to that is huge. I don't know if, you know, at times you're 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 settling for jump shots um, if you're fate. You know, not not willing to take a hit and initiate contact. I'm I'm not sure. You know, I'd have to really dig a little bit deeper to try to understand why those numbers are down. But that's guy. I would, I would almost guarantee that's got to be a concerted, you know, emphasis here as as we get started again. Because I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, this team this team is the best free. I mean, they're they they're such a good free throw shooting team. I mean, right about 87% actually feels like it's higher than that, especially when Allie Quigley's at the line. But um, it's interesting that that you mentioned that th- those numbers are down. I did not know that.
1: That was always a point of emphasis for me on the past because, like you said, Rachel, the Sky are such – they've been such a good free-throw shooting team, mm-hmm. but they were getting to the line at about the lowest rate in the league for the past two, possibly three seasons. And so it was really good to see – as a fan and as somebody who covers a team at the beginning of the season, when they were getting 20 free throw attempts a game, 19, 22. Uh, but then like, like you both said that number, I don't know if it fell off or if it's a case of regression to the mean, which is a term I, I, I detest, but it's, 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 it has truth. So I, I think that's something that we would all have to look at as this, as time goes on because There are times where the sky can fall, they are a jump shooting team primarily except with their slashers like Kalia Copper, and um, when Candace gets into the lane back to the basket, and have been in the past diamond. And that was something that we talked with Annie about about diamond getting to the rim more often and I I definitely think that's something that we want to look out for uh, in the in this latter half of the season. Yeah, definitely. point.
0: Rachel, we're kind of uh, running out of time here. Um, I know you have to record a podcast with R.E.A. Schwartz, the Windsider WNBA show, which if, if any of you don't listen to, my God, please do. It's, you learn so much every time you listen to Rachel and R.E.A. talk about hoops. So, um, But really, Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. We um, you know, you're like one of the busiest people out there. So we, um, yeah, this was so much fun and we really appreciate it.
2: No I, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, I love talking about my former hometown team even though it's not really my hometown team. It feels like it is. Um, so yeah let me know it, let me know when I can come on any other time. I'd love to do it.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Skyhook podcast. If you want to contact us you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com. You can always follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at skyhookin, which is spelled exactly how it sounds. We really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And if you could do us one more quick favor, if you could rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts, we would really, really appreciate it. We have a couple episode ideas coming up. We're definitely going to be talking about candace parker being on the cover of 2k and the new space jam movie which you know what i'll save my thoughts for that for when we do the podcast but until then thank you for joining us on this edition of the skyhook and until next time